like I Hold your head up high Till you find the bluebird of happiness You will find greater peace of mind Knowing there's a bluebird of happiness And when he sings to you Welcome back to the Philip K. Dick Book Club. In each episode of this podcast, I look at one of the works of Philip K. Dick. And in this episode, I'll be beginning a short, uh, essentially two-part series on the stories Dick published in 1967. There are only two of them. The first is Return Match, which I'll look at today. And then the other is Dick's Contribution to Dangerous Visions, the, the wonderful anthology. And that was uh, that came out in 1967, and that was a groundbreaking anthology that really kind of transitioned science fiction in you know into a new era, and really was a a showcase of the new trends, the new developments in science fiction in the 1960s. And that story is the Faith of Our Fathers. And in that episode, I'll also look at his kind of follow-up, you know, one-paragraph story. Um, that's not going to be worth looking at a whole episode. And even though that technically was published in 1968, I will uh, just tag it on to Faith of Our Fathers. Okay, so Return Match. Return Match is another story about games. And it's, an, and it's kind of a jokey, clumsy story. It's, it's not one of my favorites. I, I think there's not that much to say about the story, but um, I will, will give you some of my thoughts on it. Um, it's, but I really do like when Dick explored games. It's something he does a lot, and I think it's something that kind of makes him, is kind of distinctive of him. I, I'm sure there's been other science fiction writers that did it. Um, you know, I kind of like Mimsy Where the Borogoves, that story from the 1940s, I think it was, which deals with the power of games and that was more about how games tie to the creative development of, of children and help them see the world and, and frame their existence and their intellectual development dick you know had a less trusting attitude towards games and i guess the people who think dick was a bit suspicious of children you know you can look to some of his stories about toys and games for you know that that I where that might come from, right? Because that's something kids play with, and it's something maybe adults don't fully understand. And so this idea that there's an insidious motive to toys, you know, when you watch kids sitting around playing toys that you don't understand or playing games, and that you know, if you think about it, in the 1980s, the the panic, the scare over Dungeons and Dragons, you know, led by the religious conservatives, and you know how kind of how ridiculous that looks in hindsight, but you know that the idea that there's a threat in games where you can be trapped in a game. Is something that Dick was interested in, and he does it here in Return Match. He does it also in in uh, the Zap Gun. The Zap Gun has a really interesting subplot about someone essentially being trapped in a game. So we'll we'll talk about those when we get to it. But for now, we're just going to look at Return Match, and I'll give you my thoughts on this this story. Uh, Return Match was published in Galaxy in February of 1967, um, and with all these later 60s and 70s short stories it can be found in the fifth volume of the collected works collected stories of philip dick called eye of the sybil and other classic stories although i think it, maybe the original publication of that book was the black box um but that's that so but most like most of you will find it in that eye of the sybil volume so as always with these stories i i'll look at the plot summary first and then go on with uh 
with the, my, my analysis such as it is. So we are introduced to a Los Angeles police unit commanded by Joseph Tinbane, and he's identified an illegal outspacer casino, right? Um, so essentially by placing their ship above the casino, raiding this casino is going to be is going to be difficult. So they're trying to raid it. Uh, these, so these are basically like outs outspacers, foreigners who have come in and set up a casino, right? And casinos are illegal. And so his job in, in the L.A. police unit is to is to suppress this. Now, the problem with this is because it's run by outspacers in the event of a raid, they can just take off the ship. They can or use their jets to destroy the casino and all the humans um, within. So they send in three robots and announce the raid in advance. The alien ship leaves, destroying the casino as expected. Everything organic in the casino is destroyed, but one of the robots sent in saved a pinball machine. So again, what happens is essentially you have outspacers, mm -hmm. you know, have their ship above the casino, they're running, and when the police come, they just take off, and that they're kind of the jets destroy the casino, kill the people, but that, that's just kind of the way it is. So that's, um, that's the negative consequence of raiding the up the casino but they are able to save just with one thing this pinball machine so most of the plot involves them making sense of this police this pinball machine now back at the police lab the commander Tinbane asks the technicians about the progress on investigating and figuring out this pinball machine they urge him to play the game in order to see how different it is from other pinball machines so this is a kind of another kind of common trope we see with Dick's toy stories and that's where the game doesn't work as expected, right? So if you remember, I think it was War Game, you had the kind of the inverse Monopoly game, right? That, you know, it looked on the surface to be Monopoly, but when you actually played it, you find out it, it works by different rules. So this pinball ma machine is identified as is very different from the normal pinball machine that people play. And they say you got to play it to figure it out. So the goal of the game is to target an Ionian village. And these are replicas of those on the home world of the outspacers. So I from Isle and these aliens, I think they're alien. I don't think they're they might be colonists, though, um, but they're on Io and they have a village there. And that's that's the home world of these these outspacers. And as a, you play it, actually, the machine will defend itself, building a protective protections based on previous games played. So it learns. Right? And that's another thing we see in Dick's Toy Stories is that there will be a process by which the the game can learn or adapt to, and that again, I think you saw that in, in War Game, where there was a, a game in which um, a toy soldiers would attack a citadel and, and sort of learn as different stages of the game went, went forth. So the machine defends itself, and the result of this is just an increasing difficulty for the player and lower scores. So over time, eventually, the possible player score will be zero, right? And then the game, I guess, becomes kind of silly at that point or useless, and we'll always win. But, you know, it maybe it encourages people to try harder, get better. The technician shows that over time, the machine is also building a slingshot that will fire one of the steel balls at the player. And once that process is complete, then it actually become a lethal weapon. From Tinbane's perspective, the main problem with this is that the machine was illegal, it threatens human lives, and it can become a, a weapon. But he's bothered that the machine seems to only kill one human player at random. That, you know, like whoever is unlucky enough to use the pinball machine after it's already completed this process will be the one to be killed, right? There's no purpose to it, right? The technician responds that once the machine was set up to kill, it would just continue to kill. 
And since gamblers would be drawn to the game due to their addictive compulsion that gamblers tend to have, it would eventually, eventually kill more than just the first unlucky player, and that's what the technician thinks is going to happen here. They gamble knowing that the old spacers sometimes destroy their own casinos. Some even play Russian roulette. So essentially, going to the casinos is a form of Russian roulette in the first place. So these, these gamblers seem to have almost pathological compulsion to risk their lives, not just risk their income. Over the warning of the technicians, Tenbane starts playing this game and continues playing it with plans to stop when the slingshot catapult thing is complete. So he says, you know, I'm going to play it until it's complete and then, you know, I won't, I, you know, I'll, I won't die. But the technician is a bit worried that, you know, these machines aren't really controllable and they seem to have a compulsive side to them. Now, after 10 games played by Tinbane, the catapult is complete. The technician orders Tinbane to stop, but he says, I'm going to continue playing. And in later games, the catapult gets closer and closer to snaring a ball in order to fire it back at the player. So even though the catapult is complete, it still has to capture it. So there's still ways that the player can, you know, in a way control his fate. He promises that as soon as the machine's quote-unquote tropism is known, the technicians can then disassemble it. So there's an advantage to continue to play. Finally, though, the pinball machine does succeed in firing back the steel ball, and it narrowly misses Tin Bane. Tin Bane flees the room when he sees that the machine is releasing balls itself now, and it seems to have empowered itself to, to fight back. Now, in another room, Tin Bane is discussing the situation with the chief lab technician, Ted Donovan. Donovan explains that the machine was designed not for gamblers, but to infiltrate and kill the police who raid the casinos. Somehow, they were able to control the robots and direct them to save that particular machine from destruction. However, it would only likely work on someone who had a tendency towards gambling and risk-taking in the first place. So not all police would be caught up in it, but you know the suggestion here is that Tin Bane has that compulsive personality. Tin Bane goes home where he thinks he'll be safe. Now, up to this point, I think this is a kind of a neat story. And again, it's not something Dick is new to Dick, but it's a self-contained story about, you know, the cat and mouse game between the police and the casinos and the effort to try to kill the police who are shutting down the casinos. So it kind of works. So, but at, after this, I think the story falls apart a little bit. Tin Dane receives a call from Donovan, who mentions that they found Tin Bane's brain configuration in the machine, as well as a transmitter. So the machine seems to know where Tin Bane is. They do not know what it's transmitting towards, but since the machine is clearly a revenge weapon, Tin Dane should stay in his house. He also recommends a brain shield to protect from the, like, the transmitter. Later, a bug-like entity attacks his house, and Tin Bane's able to kill it and dissect it, but he's unable to find anything of danger in it. Tin Bane gets another call from an office warning him of an outspacer aircraft that dropped something near the house, and that seems to have been the, you know, maybe that bug thing. But he learns he's basically under attack from massive steel balls from this call, and it's almost as if he's in a pinball machine and that they will have five attempts to strike him. His only hope is to build a catapult that can fire back at the massive balls that the ma fire back the massive balls at the enemy. So he becomes essentially the pinball game trying to build a device that will harness one of these massive balls and then shoot it back at his enemies. But the enemies are a bit imprecise. It's I'm not sure there's a clear target given. And it ends with this you know kind of ambiguous ending of about the fate of Tin, Tin Bane. But basically it transitions from being a story about this effort to make a toy into a gun and then into one where the character becomes part of a game. Right. 
So uh, that's the story. Um, what to say about this? I, you know, not too much, I guess. Um, the ending of Return Match, though, is, is, is clumsy, in my opinion. Tindane finds himself in a life-side version of the pinball machine and a target of a relentless assault by an, an alien power. Still, I'm not quite sure if they're full-blown aliens or they're colonists. You know, I guess it doesn't really matter. But, you know, that, that's what it is. Uh, much of this we've seen before. We have an example of dangerous automation, and as we do in Autofact and the Great Sea and many, many other stories. We, but we've previously seen consumer goods being used as weapons of war or being used as ways to fight through other means, like in the little movement or in war games, especially the, the toy stories of, of Philip Dix. Uh, it's something that comes up in uh, Zap Gun as well. There are numerous examples of conflict between Terra and other worlds using non-conventional means too, and we've seen this in everything from the Crystal Crip. Of course, a war game is, is that way. Um, the idea of a conflict with these outer colonies and Earth, and then the kind of creative use of weapons, uh, sometimes using consumer goods as the infiltration device is, you know, that's a common trope as well. In later Dick stories like the Game of Unchance um, and the Holy Quarrel, we have this, 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 this revisited, this idea of toys or candy even being a, a weapon of war. So um, it's just re rehashing these old themes. Um, the alien thread here is a bit transformed. In this way, it's a bit more like the Game of Unchance than perhaps some of these other toy stories we've seen from Dick. You know, what's of interest to these off-worlders, aliens, or whatever, is not the conquest of Earth, but just a chance to make money, right? So in Game of Unchance, you had these aliens come in, setting up these carnivals, and the goal of these carnivals is simply to make money off humans. And yeah, it, it ends up being a threat to them, but then they just come back with the solution, right? So there's like a kind of a planned obsolescence, or the bad results of one thing become a way to make money on the other end, right? It don't be almost like if the if the drug pusher was also running the treatment clinic, right? That's what you have in the game of Unchance. Here you have the casino, right? And then there, it's more of a cat and mouse game between the police, though. There's not really the second half. It's not like they're also, it'd be, it'd be like the game of Unchance if it was like this, the aliens were also running a, the, you know, the gambling treatment center or something. Instead, it's just like it becomes a device to assassinate the, the police. But you do have the kind of this series of illegal gambling dens that, you know, that drop in there and then take advantage of people's weakness and propensity towards towards gambling. The human characteristics they're most interested into is hacking into their desire for excitement and their compulsive characteristics. In both stories, Game of Unchance and, and this one, Return Match, the game is a means to exploit human weakness. In Return Match, Tinbane is compulsive both about the game and about solving the mystery and beating the outspacers. Since the operation of closing down the casino was a success, there's no real compelling reason to unlock the mysteries of the pinball machine. Yet he is drawn in on a quest to discover its quote-unquote tropism, and that, that's what drives him. There is something interesting and out of the ordinary about this too, these off-world casinos or outspace casinos, outspacer casinos, I mean. And it's kind of like the carnival in A Game of Enchants, where it drops in and it, people are drawn to it with a compulsion. Um, and that that's all I really can say about this story. It just it seems to fit nicely with a lot of other um, 
stories Dick wrote on this theme of kind of toys and consumer goods being a threat. That said, though, I, I think there's there we're, you know we're finding examples of where video games actually do kill people and people have compulsive attitudes towards games. I, I you know I don't really think you know internet or internet games or video games and stuff you can really be addicted to them. You know, I, I my understanding of addiction is it's something chemical, right? But if someone knows, you know, the proper definition of addiction, please, please correct me if I'm wrong. But I thought it had something to do with more an external chemical. Nevertheless, we can be comp- have compulsions toward many things, whether it's sex or gambling or certain behaviors um, or whatever, right? And that's what's going on here. But we just colloquial will say you're, you're addicted to the internet or you're addicted to video games, right? But apparently sometimes people will die, right? Even teenagers will play video games all night and they don't sleep and eventually they, they, they'll die once in a while. That happens in Taiwan from time to time. So there is a danger here with games potentially killing people. So, I mean, that is what it is. It, it happens from time to time. It's not the game shooting at you, but, you know, it's nice. It's a, it's a decent story. It's it has some it's a nice decent story that has some interesting ideas, but it's nothing special, uh, especially when you kind of contrast it to the story that comes after this, the faith of our fathers, which is such a landmark work in Dick's career, one of one of his greatest sh- short stories. It's you know it's hard to really take Return Match very seriously, um, but it's worth looking at if you're interested in those toy stories that that Dick Dick wrote, and there's a handful of them. And in fact, that could. You know, that, that'd be worthy of analyzing. Someone to sit down and read all those stories about toys and just see, kind of put together a, an interpretation of what Dick's trying to do with these these tales. Um, but I guess that's all I'm going to say about, uh, about uh, what's, it, what's it called? Retreat Match. I almost forgot for a second the name of the story. Um, that's all I'm going to say about Retreat Match. Um, yeah, so next time... I will look at Dick's the second story Dick published in 1967, and that is the faith faith of our fathers. It's a really big, important story that we're gonna have to spend some time with. So, as always, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time with my thoughts on faith of our fathers. In the meantime, if you have any of your own comments about this story, about compulsion or addiction, or about how Dick sees toys or sees child you know childish things as a threat, you know your thoughts on these themes, I'd love to to hear about so you could leave a comment below or send me an email at 100pagescast at gmail.com thanks once again for listening and I'll see you next time If you